0: Oscar, shall start it off?
1: Yeah, I think we can do it. So first of all, welcome everyone to, my, to Anders and my first ever space in this Twitterverse, as we can call it compared to the metaverse, although we are still in audio form. But anyways, so we are going to spend the rest of this hour or hour and a half depending on how much traction we get, either in the beginning or in the middle or at the end, kind of discussing note-taking in its widest form. So for everyone that is a speaker at the moment, I encourage you to um, showcase what you have learned so far in terms of how to prepare and make sure that the content pipeline is as it should be in terms of the note-taking stuff, how to basically go from the ideas you capture all the way to the creations, the writing pieces, the art, the business proposals, whatever, whatever requires text really. This whole entire workflow will be very nice to see how it all ties together in your professions and how it's been evolved over time. And also if you have many questions or areas of improvement that you would have um, more feedback upon. This is a great place as well, since many of us are very passionate, I would say, about note-taking and how to transform text to real impact. So do you have any comments to start off, Anders, before we can take Turns for each no, speaker, one by one? I don't,
0: I don't think so. I'm I, I thinking about maybe we could let Ecke talk a little first here.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm going to, let's see here, invite speakers. So I sent a speaker invite to Ecke, and for those of you who don't know who Ecke is, she is one of the core members in a prominent note-taking startup called ScreenTall. And ScreenTall is currently in beta and within closed doors, although there are ample opportunities to uh, run through and get a taste on how the new um, way of note-taking feels and sounds and probably tastes like as well. One could say for as a short introduction that Screen takes note taking to an entirely new dimension, seeing as they are at a grander scale. Not only seeing notes one by one, for instance, like uh, one note on the left, one note on the right, and all that stuff backlinks. with backlinks. What Screen does is that they allow as some kind of bird's eye view, as some kind of a map, mind map, and you can see how all the different notes or cards, as they might want to call it, how they basically integrate with each other. So you can have a more visual sense of uh, how the cards uh, connect with each other. So, um, and this is originally intended for uh, academics that might have many different resources and materials to keep track of while they are working on their um, proofs and uh, publications. But I believe that pretty much everyone can make very good use for Scrintall if they prefer this visual aspect. Do you have any additional comments in, in, seeing as uh, you're the brand manager for Scrintall, Anderson?
0: Brand ambassador, yes. Uh, I I think uh, uh, when I got uh, started with talk, I got clarity basically, because all the other note-taking uh, applications that I tried like Room Research and Evernote and everything was quite, quite uh, messy in the end. And uh, what I get with uh, ScreenStell is clarity really. So, yeah. And uh, as to, you said, it's still in beta and there's a lot of things happening and uh, it's an exciting new product, really. So, yeah. Um, Eke.
1: So, while we're waiting for Eke to accept, why don't we start with um, basically introducing each of the speakers we currently have? So, if I understand correctly, we can start with Troy, which was the first one to join in into the the, um, familiar space by now. And then we can go to Alexa and then to uh, Shadows Pub. So, Troy, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more on how your system currently looks like and what your um, areas of interest are.
2: Sure thing. Um, So I am working in the financial industry, uh, social media particularly, but I've got a strong background in conflict analysis and early warning. So I have a master's in conflict analysis uh, with a focus in political, ethnic, and security issues. But um, I'm currently studying applied intelligence studies, looking to specialize, but right now looking at world conflict, it's always kind of been um, a fascination of mine trying to meld uh, both financial early warning with conflict early warning. So in uh, my area of expertise, I would say, dealing with a lot of information, intake and triage and categorization, and always, you know, whether you're creating an intelligence product for a consumer or a professor, or just a report or anything for your own interest, trying to separate the signal from the noise. Um, is something that's very dear to me. Um, I also suffer from anxiety. I wouldn't say suffer. It's a condition that I have that's kind of framed my whole approach to intelligence in terms of information overload and having those systems to best triage the information to make the most optimal decisions. So um, in terms of that, having a really robust information or personal knowledge system something that I've been interested in as it's helped me both personally and in my work with respect to you know capturing thoughts, categorizing all of my subject matter into particular bins, but um, with the note-taking, really just bridging different eras in my academic journey. Um, I see that a lot of my captures that I've been putting into my personal knowledge system have come from a time when my interests were very different. And encountering that through like spaced repetition tools, whether it's Readwise or Rome, you're able to see how your interests have evolved, particularly with like good import for where your career is now. So that's my spiel. I'm a new to the whole PQM, PKM environment, but I find it very relevant, particularly for intelligence, Analysts or students, or anybody, just you know, who wants to write better and really clarify their ideas. I think um, having the tools to kind of decentralize your personal knowledge management system is very important as well. Um, making sure that it's as robust as possible, but that's where I am. Um, uh, I'm 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 a perpetual student, and I'm always curious and. I find that having a system to kind of track and monitor and follow through with what you're interested in, it can have a lot of benefits and uh, dividends down the road. So that's 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 my spiel. <laughs> thanks for having me, though, and thanks for hosting the space. Um, something that I think will take off a lot as you know, people deal with information overwhelm. Yeah, I
0: think you you you're a kindred spirit, basically. I was also i have also been collecting a lot of stuff, and my my uh, views on the things I've stored in the beginning until now is much different, you know and uh, I used also spaced uh, repetitions for a while, and I use of course readwise for my nice. my nice. Uh, yeah, it's really a good product also. So, so good points thank you.
1: Yeah, I agree as well. It's been a very, what you could say, interesting take on how the note taking system is evolving. So, one question I have before we move over to Shadow Pubs. You mentioned that the signal over noise is quite important, for what you're doing at the moment. How do you make sure that the system is an effective filterer for what's signal right now? compared to what's mm. necessary, most right now. Could you maybe detail yeah. a little bit? I would say categorizing. So
2: in academia, depending on what you're trying to answer, there's kind of a hierarchy with respect to your sources. So in my case, you know, you're more likely to have a superior product if it's an academic source. But you have a little bit more leeway when you are studying a topic that kind of lends itself well to open source information. So stuff like databases, um, automatic detection, you know, like satellite imagery, anything like that, that you can kind of get together to make a good case over something that you're looking at, whether it's pattern detection or anything as such. Um, if you're looking at a theater of war troop movements anything like that but to separate that I'm gonna kind of invoke the whole Ukraine Russia war right now there is a lot of misinformation being pumped out and kind of having your own system to kind of assess you know what is the interest of a communication? You know, who is the owner? What are their interests? You know, that's something that you kind of have to keep at the forefront when you are diving into the information. So kind of picking it apart, not really taking it at face value, but being fully cognizant of the interests that are behind it. Um, Further to your question, Oscar, in order to help manage that assessment uh, through personal personal knowledge management, I would say metadata is the key to that. Um, in terms of making sure your tagging, your tags are as robust as possible. Um, this source is from this unit, this this country, um, and I'm going to even invoke YouTube. One thing I've noticed YouTube's been doing lately is, you know, whenever there's a topic that is kind of in the public zeitgeist, they have now a little information pop up that will say, okay this video is partly funded by, you know, the Ukrainian government or the Russian government. So incorporating that um, has been really key um, in my personal work, because um, with some group assignments that I've been working on, we really refined our process for information gathering and ranking, um, you know? So this is a strongly trustworthy source for for reasons X, Y, and Z. Um, this is a dubious source, but this is what we can learn from this, you know, being able to, you know, have that metadata to assess, you know, what type of value you can pull from a source is really vital and making sure that, you know, you're respecting your readers as well. Uh, You're not just, you know, saying, okay, this is the source and leaving them in the dark about it. It's being able to account for, okay, we're referencing this, but this is where it comes from. This is, you know, the history and such. And I find things like, uh, you know, tagging and metadata, uh, very key to that enterprise in terms of making a strong account and um, just in, from an intellectual background, it's respecting your reader and, you know, allowing them to kind of follow their own data trail if they wish to be curious about something like in a report or any, anything as such.
1: Great, thank you so much for the answer. Shadows Pub, why don't you want to introduce yourself and tell (laughs) us a little bit more on who you are?
3: I am a writer. Um, I'm based in Ontario, Canada. Uh, I also produce books like um, journals and coloring books. So I use personal knowledge management for two purposes. And I'm using Obsidian as my tool of choice at the moment. Uh, One Vault is used for recording the books that I'm working on and all the metadata information about them and the status of where they're at in the uh, workflow. And my other is used for all the reading and that that I do and the notes that I take. I'm relatively, yeah, I'd say relatively new to the concept of um, Zettelgaston. Uh, used to use the commonplace book concept, which meant putting notes into notebooks and then going back and trying to find them. So I'm, I'm really enjoying setting up the Obsidian and, and being able to access things with, you know, things like searches and cross-links and that sort of thing.
1: Great. Thank you for um, letting the information. And uh, for those of us who... Um, haven't really tried Obsidian. What would you say are the main features that Obsidian does that are better than any other note-taking
3: app out there,
1: based on how it fits to your workflow?
3: I tell you, the the main thing that sold me immediately on Obsidian is the fact that um, all my notes are being stored in text files on my well, on my external drive. And should Obsidian go away? I can still access all those files and use them. I don't have to worry about exporting and importing. They're there. I can access them. I can use them. And since I write on the blockchain anyways, I'm kind of familiar with using Markdown. So that was the main thing that, that sold me immediately. And, of course, I love the fact that I can do the the um, maps. You know, I can look at the information maps and and, of course, the cross-linking.
1: Nice. Thank you very much for the answer. And um, Eke, if you want to um, speak up, you can always request a mic. It's quite um, uh, a seemingly fast process now. i allowed it so anyone could simply claim it. But um, before we move on, maybe you, uh, Anders, want to... Tell a little bit on your story with note taking and note making, and basically tell us a little bit on how it's going for you.
0: Yeah, um, I have a long history with note note taking. Actually, I started professionally working for Action um, in the nineties, and uh, I was uh, taking a lot of notes because I worked at the maintenance department, and we had. Uh, The all the machinery in the factory uh, under our wings. And uh, whenever something happened, I was supposed to write a report and send to the head office, usually in English, because uh, English was the main language. And uh, I worked with that for seven and a half years until they uh, didn't have, uh, they had to let go of a lot of people. I I think we were close to 500 people of 1,500 that have to go at once. And and I continued to keeping notes. Um, I remember I had the Palm Pilot. I used to write down uh, information in and kept that and synced it with my computer. And uh, then in 2008, I was a beta tester of uh, Evernote actually. Uh, early in 2008, uh, I think it was February 2008, yeah, uh, it was uh, something that really got me, me excited, and even if there was a lot of shiny new objects in the note-taking industry at the time, I stuck with uh, Evernote, and I later became a um, Uh, a certified uh, consultant for Evernote. Uh, And Evernote was my main base until 2020 when I discovered drone research. And that was also when I started to write articles on the net. Before that, I, I had a career in social media between 2008 and 2012. Uh, a bit successful, actually. So I was one of the top bloggers in Sweden at the time. And uh, writing on the net has not been a strange thing for me to do, if you say. Uh, But uh, then I started 2020 to write on Medium, and uh, the rest is history, as we say it. And uh, I was uh, also doing some Castle uh, in Robe Research, but I found that to be a bit clumsy when you are a creator or a digital writer. So I'm looking into different areas of PKM and maybe I'm going to uh, do my own uh, take on it as it seems. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm also claiming uh, note-taking as my niche during Ship 40 now. Uh, next week will be my note-taking week. So I will only publish essays on note-taking and note-making in PTM and also do at least two new medium articles during that time. So, yeah. That summarizes most of it. Besides, I'm a brand ambassador for Scrintel, work together with them. And uh, it's a pleasure to work with them. They are really good people and have a lot of good ideas. And uh, I, I see a lot of potential in the Scrintel. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, Oscar, how about
1: you? Yeah, I'm going to. Tell my story a little bit, but I want to um, first of all say that um, if any of you has a question, it's absolutely uh, uh, encouraged to raise a hand in the, in the, yeah, what do they call it? Twee emoji. The, they have so many names for all these emojis nowadays. But anyway, because so then we can have this kind of back and forth conversation and questions we can reply to each other. Because one question before I want to um, say to Anders is, you mentioned that you worked with Evernote for quite a while. What made you switch from Evernote to Rome? Was it that your workflow did change that you had more, um, you had other priorities and other criteria for what was a successful note-taking app? Or was it some other reason why you switched Well,
0: uh, I was quite a hoarder for a long time, you know, I had a lot of automatic uh, flows into Evernote, so I ended up having close to 100,000 notes in Evernote in the end, and it was not really working very well, so I cleaned up the system, and uh, I was down to 60,000 notes, and uh, uh, it wasn't working then either, you know. And when I started writing on Medium, I discovered uh, a lot of people talked about Rome research. So I uh, got an account there and set it up and discovered Settlecast and set that up and uh, read Vice, and you know, the rest is history basically. But um, yeah, it worked very fine for me until uh, November last year when I got really fed up with Rome research and also the cult surrounding Rome research. Uh, I don't know if you know about that, but uh, there's a lot of cult things in Rome research. So uh, I decided to find something else and then I saw something about Guintel. So then I contacted them, I, I applied for a beta uh, and uh, we had a good, good conversation, and Ekke uh, onboarded me. And um, from that point, I'm staying in actually.
1: So, before we introduce um, Hogwarts alumni, uh, could you simply um, tell me a little bit about the Rome cult? I haven't heard of it, actually, to be honest. And it would be interesting to hear what the... Uh, or well, what both uh, inside and detractors say about it. Uh, me or? Yeah, if uh, if you would like.
0: Uh, well, there it started to build up a cult surrounding Rome research, and uh, I don't know about uh, what what it was happening, and uh, I it, it can't go felt really su- suspicious so um, that's why, why i uh, left rome research basically i have my account still there but uh, i'm not using it anymore so yeah
2: okay i've heard a, i've heard a bit about it um just some con- i i'm just on the outside looking in and just for context i'm pretty much a novice, but I'm happy that came up because I did notice um, one of their Twitter handles which is uh, Bill, is kind of like a quick tips uh, Twitter account basically calls itself the Rome cult. But um, uh, over, I think it was over the fall or very recently, there were some uh, really prominent members that were uh, excluded from the community over some minor disagreement. Um, one of them was a gentleman named Ramses Ut. Um Some of you might have heard of him. Yeah. I think he, he has moved over to LogSeq or Log, L-O-G-S-E-Q is another uh, PQM yeah, management. Border, yeah. border, yes. It's something that's really weird. Um, Cause I thought coming in, it was satire. I wasn't really sure how serious it was but um it really definitely made waves throughout the community um might have even kind of made newcomers a little bit uncomfortable but um they have a really uh i don't know if it's just like company philosophy or anything like that but um they they do call some of their marketing gurus like evangelists so they take a very ecclesiastical approach to marketing um I don't know if that's always been part of the community but it, it has been like a recent flashpoint that has been polarizing but um yeah just really interesting just seeing how people approach it because um the whole note taking and information sharing by its design has kind of like an open type of ethos behind it you know Um, I recently heard of a woman, uh, she wrote a book called The Calm Notes Method, which doesn't really advocate for any particular system of PKM, it just tells you to use what's good for you. And I kind of see that as one argument, and then you have kind of these diehards who kind of cling to one system and kind of push a cult of personality behind it. But um, it's just interesting that you know different, I guess, factions of thought or culture, um, that kind of come to clash. But yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah weird I agree. It. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really weird.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, so a question to both Troy and Anders will be: Do you believe that they maybe push their culture and agenda too far, trying to? Basically, give too much incentive for their supers to basically be some kind of, I don't know if <laughs> Ponzi scheme is the right word, but in the, in the correct spirit, so to speak, was there kind of an incentive to be too much of an evangelizer to the point that it was like yeah. a um, push uh, top down movement, so to speak?
2: honestly I I can't say I, I'm not an expert with Rome but just looking at like my brief contacts it seems to be kind of like join us we're the best <laughs> you know I I only suspect there's kind of there might be kind of a business incentive behind it they want to capture as many users as possible and they want them to be loyal if that makes sense that's what I that's the sense that I, I've gotten. Um, I, I've only come into Rome because I've. it was the first, uh, you know, tool for network thought that I've subscribed to. Um, I'm definitely open to others. Like, I, just the very fact that you can link and sync, you know, kind of belies this closed mentality. I, I can't say what their intentions are. It, it might be something that is something that's just emerged amongst its users you know um but well when i saw what took place with Ramsey's, i was just a little shocked that it was close that you know i don't know i i don't know what the argument was uh but it seemed to be a very very small disagreement um but uh I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) Um, I've looked at obsidian, I've looked at other writing tools and they're all great. I, I, I think they all have something to offer and I think they can cooperate with very good dividends on that communication. But I think like in the Rome case, um, you know, the fact that they're, you know, to the, to the degree that this culture is maintained, It could be evidence that they might be threatened by competition, or whatever. Not that's just my two cents. That's my take. Not saying that's the definitive case, but um, I definitely got that sense a little bit of maybe insecurity or, you know, trying to corner the market.
0: I think in the in the following of Ramses leaving room research, there was a fallout of other big bigger names too. Uh, One name is Trans. Tracy Win- Winchell. Uh, she, okay, she, I'm familiar she, with, with her. Yeah, uh, she also left uh, Rome Research.
2: Oh, I had no idea she left. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: and she, I think she's using uh, log- logistical. Logistic, or. Oh, okay,
2: okay, okay. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, I think that's I,
2: unfortunate. I really think it's unfortunate because um, when that happens, it's a brain drain, right? You have talented individuals. Um, who can teach how to use a tool a specific way. Not saying that any potential method is great, but um, I enjoyed Tracy's teachings as a journaling tool because journaling was something that, you know, I would say I was doing the 1.0 version of. And I have other tools that I have used and I have incorporated a lot of her journaling prompts. And yeah you have a lot of this remixing and integration, you know, that openness is amazing. It's a very good thing um, because my journaling practice took off significantly with Rome. The fact that, you know, I can know that I thought about something, I've reflected on it on a specific date. I've never had that before. And now, you know, through um, bi-directional links, and I'm not just gonna say this is Rome's sole benefit, any type of PKM system, you know, it's like you can talk to your past self. That is amazing. And however people utilize that, you know, you have to kind of be open to other philosophies and other practices or other points of view. And, you know, to the the degree that you kind of, you're insulating against that point of view, I think it's very delimitizing to your business. Um, mm. But I'm really, really shocked to hear that Tracy left. That's that's really unfortunate.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. They, they lost uh, two really good names from, from Rome
2: mm.
0: in a week, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Anyway, back to Oscar. Now it's your turn.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting to hear that uh, there can be some drama in the notes if you want to be too, uh, what you say, <laughs> make a pun out of it. So I'm going to pretty much explain my note-taking evolving history right from, uh, I guess we can call it 2014, although it wasn't too much of a designated note-taking by them, and uh, then continue way forward until the uh, principles which I... Pretty much advocate now via my personal blog and other kinds of distribution channels. And uh, then we can discuss afterwards if some of my, what you say, more contrarian views on note taking views would, um, yeah, if they spark some questions or clarifications, we can all take care of it if uh, it's needed. So um, I guess when it came to 2014, when I started high school, uh, then it was uh, classic Google Docs and Google <laughs> Sheets and all that stuff, the more basic ones, if you want to do a word processor that wasn't wasn't Word. So back then it was just, okay, create some documents. And these documents were, in general, very basic. I wouldn't call it a um, note-taking system by them. It's just like one uh, file was for a particular lecture. And one other was for another, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Kind of basic as you would do it as some kind of a piece of paper. So there was no there was no overhead back then. But then yeah. I kind of stuck around it for a while until I discovered Google Keep. And by then I've also been a very huge fan of the getting things done methodology, which is uh, quite popular within uh, everyone that wants to level up their productivity game, so to speak. So now we're talking early 2020, when I was um, using Google Keep to um, basically have so low friction of a note-taking app as possible, but still be able to have these, what GTD calls, next action lists, projects lists, and all kinds of reference documents that were quite uh, important at that time so it, I would say that if it wasn't for GTD getting done I wouldn't have looked so much into note taking after that but it was during this particular phase that I um, was um, kind of being more aware of the fact that note would be something that uh, would be quite uh, enhancing when it came to my own Standards and uh, performance, and whatever I found to be significant later on when adding own creative projects, etc. So, during that summer, I got introduced to Notion by my brother because uh, he's kind of uh, technical and found it helpful for himself. So, I started out and I was kind of blown away because I wasn't that evangelized before. Because if you compare, Google Keep to Notion, it's a vast difference in terms of what you can do there. Google Keep is so, so basic as you can ever have it. It's like uh, I, I wouldn't say that uh, they are in the ballpark of note taking up to the extent that uh, Notion and Evernote and Rob Research and other more prominent note taking apps are. So what what was fascinating to me about Notion was the fact that you can uh, basically have all these standard uh, modifications of the text, as well as doing other kind of cool stuff like linked databases and backlinks and other sorts. But um, eventually it came down to a particular document that uh, I found myself going back to over and over again, which was Dashboard, which for then was kind of a home page of one's own, Um, pages that were quite relevant for one workflow at the time plus the weekly plan because by then I was quite into Cal Newport stuff and if uh, you haven't heard about Cal Newport, he advocates a system that is more of a multi-scale planning which is first you have the quarterly planning and then it translates to weekly plan, which then translates to time blocking, which could be either on a piece of paper or the calendar, depending on how you want to prefer it, either analog or digital. So during that time, I was always into having a fixed amount of notes. I wasn't um, adding in too many because, um, once again, I was still in in university, and they have quite a, what's gonna say, uh, predictable workflow in which you have this kind of, okay, I have a notes for this one and notes for that one. This all go together in a uh, kind of um, final essay and stuff like that. So um, I had not really so much need of a more um, sophisticated note system rather, but that all changed. And that's something I'm going to spend the next half of my rant about. Because I can pretty much trace back the um, date and it was August 17. And I've been an avid follower of Camupo's podcast called Deep Questions. If you want to check it out on Spotify, is still active. He invited a guest, which uh, if those of you doesn't know, it's his um, host of Unmistakable Creative called Srini a very popular podcaster which hosted many prominent guests particularly within uh, the creative space as as the name implies and uh, he recommended a note-taking app called Mem.ai together with the SettleCaster method and when he elaborated on the possibilities Mm -hmm. of having an idea factory, I was like blown away that you could pretty much expand the uh, possibilities of having this second brain. Because back then, I wasn't really aware that it existed. But then I discovered, like, okay, now I need to check out what this Mem.ai is about. And Mem.ai back then was very, um, what could you say, very close to beta. To the point that they had a waitlist and they had to wait like, several days, unless they had an invite from someone who was existing user. And uh, after a couple of days, I got the, the um, invitation and then I came in. And then I discovered that, um, yeah, it was like uh, <laughs> if you're in the Matrix and taking the red pill, then you suddenly saw Notion as uh, a lot inferior to uh, mem.ai for reasons I'm going to explain later on. But uh, it was from there that I decided to um, pretty much move my entire Notion um, collection of notes, or at least ones that are very relevant to me at the time. I still have some uh, uh, Kanban boards still lying around there, but basically move everything to mem. Because I'm more like one note app for everything although it might change a couple of years uh, uh, ahead from now. But still today, I'm using Mem.ai for um, about nine months now. And what I really like about this note-taking app called Mem.ai is that they have four different, or rather six different characteristics that I found extremely well that I haven't seen in other note-taking apps that I've been toying around before since I uh, had to um, basically have something to compare with Mem.ai to see whether it was the real deal or if it was uh, rather something that could be um, replaced soon before I <laughs> ventured off to uh, <laughs> um, the, the total commitment, so speak. One thing that Mem.ai does extremely well first is that it's extremely easy to create notes It's like, you don't even need to tap a button even. You can just type, especially on your computer or having the desktop app, you basically can type whatever and then it creates a new note or a new mem, as they call it, which then makes it pretty much frictionless to create new notes on the fly if you have sudden insight or want to save something to a particular new place that you want to access later. So this one, in the particular workflow, is um, what Mem, mem.ai is uh, doing extremely well. And what they're coupling onto it is the advanced and lightning fast search bar. Because there's no point in <laughs> making too many notes if you cannot search them. And um, compared to Notion and Evernote, mem.ai has very fast and very accurate. Um, search function it's like you don't even need tags and you definitely don't need some kind of links or other kinds of methods or shenanigans. you can simply type a word and then all the notes that contain this word, of course there is some prioritization based on time and uh, whether it's on the headline or not, but other than that all of them will be accessed so it's like you don't need to think about tags, you don't Think to you don't need rather to think about metadata. You can just simply type whatever, and rest assured, rest assured that it will be retrieved whenever you need it because you can still search for it. And this one was such a powerful motivator for me to still continue on. But <laughs> if it wasn't enough, both the timeline was very good. They have basically a very good interface, in which uh, the latest notes are shown, so you don't need to worry about folders too much unless you want to uh, attach some to the sidebar. But um, there are also um, different templates, different flows in case you want to simply add a couple of information real quick. For instance, if you're you're using Cast and then want to distinguish literary notes from reference notes, permanent notes, etc. It's very easy to program, or not really program, is rather that you <laughs> write it once and uh, attach some kind of a slash command and then you're good to go. So this one is what um, mem.ai is very good for as well. And one feature that probably isn't so discussed, especially when it comes to the mem Slack channel, which is quite active still, um, is the su- surprise mem feature. Because if you want to be really creative, And have this kind of original thoughts, then you want to have as diverse of inputs as you possibly can. Because whatever can come up could possibly trigger some kind of spark or something, a random connection that could previously have gone dormant but could be alive again because it's associated with some unique memory or constellation of memories that you have probably internalized in the past without knowing of it. And this is what the random memory generator allows you to do. You simply type in surprise me, and then it shows a completely different note out of maybe 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 for me, um, depending on how many mems you 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 have. So um, it's like if you want to have this kind of novel stimuli, as you might from, for instance, like uh, social media feeds and scrolls, stuff like that, you can pretty much uh, achieve the same effect and be sure to review them on a very, what you say, fair, a very fair basis and also very random. So all of these were features in Mem, and of course they have an a, um, iOS app as well, although you can't really... Download it from the original from the main app store because it's still in beta. But uh, I will include a uh, QR code on uh, one of my articles, which you can check it out if you're interested in the particular iOS app. Because, in my opinion, it's very important to have the same note taking app also represented in your mobile phone because you're only on your computer for that amount of time, but the rest, like if you're uh, out and about or lying in bed or having a particular time doing a walk or doing the dishes, stuff like that, it really helps to have the opportunity to quickly capture whatever you want to uh, um, store later whether regardless of which it's for a particular project or a particular um, idea that you want to distribute later on. So um, for me, it's always been important, and that's, by the way, the main reason why I haven't picked up on the screen pal yet. Because, uh, like Anders, I was still one of, I'm still one of the beta members that were uh, contacted early on and got on board and stuff like that. But I need mm-hmm. to have this instant, or let's say, I have to, I have to have this instant access to a note-taking program in order to religiously use it. So so far, I haven't uh, been too much of a user yet, but one. But it might change later depending on how it's going to unfold during the times. But one thing I want to um, still um, talk a little bit more about uh, while we still have the opportunity is how I think about referencing and organizing you note-taking know, apps in general. Because to get the most out of your second brain I believe that you should, or at least if you want to have as little time as possible organizing and as much as time as possible creating, I believe at least, and you can agree or disagree with me later, that's pretty much the whole point of the space to uh, um, exchange valuable ideas and what you find useful. But for me, it's important that I can create new notes very fast, and I can retrieve new notes very fast, And the more notes I create, the better the system gets. So it's kind of like this self-organizing feature or the more organic way the note system can evolve without needing me to pretty much review them or purge them, which you probably shouldn't do in the first place because they can provide the seed for um, a breakthrough in 10 years. Who knows? And also that you have it as easy as possible because... uh, it's better to have as much attention as possible to the more creating um, valuable content, so to speak. And I believe that uh, Mem is doing this uh, very well because they have both a search in which you can simply retrieve them as fast as possible. And you got the favorites in the sidebar so you can have these uh, commonly accessed notes which pretty much represent the power law structure of, um, yeah, some notes receive almost all the attention as anything with Pareto properties is. And um, also that um, Mem is quite good with hyperlinks as well, but hyperlinks is something that pretty much every note-taking app except for maybe Google Keep and Apple Notes do very well well too. So it's not something that Mem in particular is (laughs) famous for. And also, so now we covered search, we covered favorites, we covered hyperlinks, and also the random memory generator. I wouldn't say that I use it too much, but it's it's very, for me, it's very comforting to know that I can go back to it whenever I find that I need to <laughs> have some kind of inspiration. Although Twitter seems to fill up this role for me quite well, yet so um, that's pretty much how um, I organize my notes or rather how little I organize my notes because I can have as many notes as possible from 3,000 to a billion and uh, it still wouldn't really matter because it's like, okay, I can still search for them and I can still have a limited amount of notes, in the favorites, and they can still be linked with each other without needing to be interfered or having this overhead. Plus, yeah, the more notes, the more surprises. So with that, I want to open up for you others to maybe comment on what has been said before and if there's other things that you want to add to it. So, Uh, uh, yeah. I have
0: a question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I uh, is there uh, the database is, can you have it on your own computer?
1: Yeah, exactly. You can have both on Mac on your Windows, you can download the, um, the app and you can also use the web browser in case you prefer to use this. I personally tend to use the web browser since I am pretty much uh, very conservative when it comes to like only having Chrome up in order to not confuse the computer too much in terms of having too many too many um, uh, software apps up and running. So it's very easy to uh, have a quick installation and you can log in with Google accounts and whatever. So, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. And uh, in case you want to um, read a little bit more on, and also get the link to mem.ai, I have attached a recent tweet um, on the space right now.
0: Yeah. I I tried MI, I think it was September or... October last year a bit for, for a bit but uh, uh, I mean it wasn't my taste so uh, but uh, I mean it was a good system I could see it was a good system so they, they're they on to something there so yeah mm. but
1: um, it wasn't for me <laughs> yeah and that's, that's the beauty of um, having Different kind of note taking apps yes, because that suits different needs. And for me, especially, I'm more of a low friction guy rather than a perfect organization. So it's like you have a particular system that works for you. And um, if um, the more diversity we have there, the more opportunities we have to uh, basically provide these different options, which I believe is the perfect way to progress the entire industry forward.
0: Yeah, um, um, and back to the space, I think we will do another space next week again. I think a, a repetition here also is uh, serving uh, the, the development of uh, everybody's systems in the long run. What do you think, Troy?
2: I think so too. Um, I I think it's good for people using different systems to talk to each other and just like today is very informative for me um i really resonate with the fact that i think oscar you touched on it a bit but each different pkm system has something different for everybody so like you know in yoga practice they say take what you need but leave what you don't and I think the philosophy or the ethos should be, you know, treating it as a buffet. You know, your plate is going to look very different from somebody else's. Um, you're not going to eat everything, but you're going to kind of, you know, make it to towards your needs. So I, I really like that philosophy and learning about the different systems. Um, I love to sync uh, to, you know, different systems that, you know, kind of benefit each other. So right now um I'm just beginning. I'm with the Rome and Readwise um dynamic, but I'm really curious to hear how other people have used other tools. Um I'm currently flirting with uh audio. I like to listen to podcasts, so that's something that I'm looking to get into yeah. my have PKM you... environment. So I see have there's you... a lot of t- yeah. Sorry. Have you
0: have, have you tried uh Slipped?
2: I have not. I I have tried Air, which is yeah. um uh, fifty fifty some mixed um, uh, some mixed results. Uh, the it, it's better if you find a podcast that is transcripted so that if you highlight a timestamp, it's automatically folded in. But um, if you don't do that, you're kind of limited. But um, I will write that down. Snipped. I I, I want to check that out for sure. Snippet. They oh, yeah. they
0: have they have integration to to read readvice also.
2: Okay, okay. Yeah. And um, does it matter if a podcast is transcripted, like on iTunes? No, I don't or... think so. No. Oh wow. Okay. All right. I'll definitely check that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think they ha- they are gaining the market from uh, Air,
2: from Air. Oh, yeah. okay, that
0: makes sense. Because okay, cool. air, air was probably one of the first ones that transcribed. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, is this a space that you guys are going to be doing every week?
0: Yeah, the plan is to do it okay. uh, every Thursday.
1: So.
2: Awesome stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's
1: some kind of a recurring space for yeah. us uh, students of everything notes. Yeah, it's good. I mean, um, I, I just yeah.
2: I just ordered uh, Tiago Forte's book, so I'm I'm all about mind extension. i
1: I find it fascinating. Ooh. Actually.
2: Yeah. I actually
1: forgot to tell, but Thiago Forte has been a huge influence to me in terms of note-taking. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about his uh, takes on maybe like the para system and just-in-time project management? It's been really cool stuff.
2: No, I haven't heard about it, to be honest, no.
1: So, on a particular session, we should go into it a little bit deeper or whatever is the most convenient, but I feel that like there is so much to unpack. so. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, as Anders said, uh, we're pretty much past one hour now, which was the original um, time, so to speak. And this is going to be um, released as a podcast episode, because uh, Mm -hmm. we are are pretty uh, toying with the idea of having these new Twitter spaces as uh, wide distributed material. And especially for my case, it will be called Conversations in Space. As uh, as some kind of attribution to uh, uh, what's coming forward for everyone on planet Earth. So um, thank you both for
2: hosting today. It was very informative. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, Yeah, thank you. you Thank thank you you so much as well. It was very interesting to hear everyone, and have a very nice evening going forward too. All of us guys. Bye bye. Bye bye,
0: Oscar. Hey, Dolskar.
1: Hello.